Hello, and welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. At GVC, our mission is simple. It's to love God, love people, and love life. This year, we want to reach further into the glory and the presence of our God and experience Him like we never have before. This year is going to be different. Can you feel it? I know you will be blessed by the message and the word that God has for you today. Here we go. How many are ready to jump into the word this morning? Nobody's in a big hurry this morning, are you? Well, if you're quiet, that just means that that was an agreeing. Yes, go out. All, 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 take your time, Pastor. Okay, so uh, thank you. Thank you for that. <laughs> Amen. Well, hey, it is good to see you out this morning. Once again, if you're here for the very first time, uh, we have in the seat backs called our connection card. Take the time to fill that out and take it down to the connect spot, and there will be a gift box for you. comes with a no-hassle guarantee. We won't come bugging you or knocking on your door. We just want to know that you were here and we just want to say thank you for being here. So take it down to the atrium there. But amen. Hey, we're in a new series that we've been in. I say new. It's actually, this is week number four. And just as I've begun to do this series and just the different things that God has been putting on my heart, I, I think it's going to be turning into our summer series. Just to where we take a length of time talking about some of these things. Because I realize many of us uh, maybe have not been from church backgrounds. And so therefore you come into a church setting and you start to hear churchy words and you think, why do they talk that way? You know, praise the Lord. I'm going to sing a hallelujah. What's hallelujah? You know, just everybody begins to hear a certain particular vocabulary when you get around church folk and you think, I just, I'm not accustomed to talking that way. And so understand that for this church, at least. The, the conversation or churchy words that you will hear is not from a perspective of being religious or that of tradition, but actually churchy words have meaning to them. And there's some things that we must understand that will help us grow in our relationship with God, that will help us develop and help us mature. Not that you need to know necessarily the words, but it helps you in your walk with God. I shared with you last week that when I went to Bible college, you know, every time I turned around, you would ask somebody, how you doing? And they're saying, I'm blessed. And man, it just got under my skin. I'm like, shut up. Everybody says I'm blessed. But when you understand what the word blessed is, it means that you're empowered to prosper. So listen, if you're going to ask me how I'm doing, uh, in fact, one young lady over here, you asked her, how is she doing? She says, I'm, I'm blessed and I'm highly favored. What, what is she doing? She's making a, a statement of her faith of believing that I am empowered to prosper and I'm favored everywhere that I go. And so your words have weight. And so we're going to continue to look at that this morning uh, and taking a little bit different turn or looking at a different word, if you will. But let me just ask you the question. How many of you liked school when you were in high school? Anybody like school? There's a couple. All, it's all the girls. All the girls said, I like school. Us guys said, we only went to school because of the girls, man. <laughs> you know, I, I, I find that when I went to school, I, I didn't dislike school. Um, I didn't ever study. I mean, I passed. I mean, had I actually applied myself, I'd actually been a good student. But I was really just there for the social activities. You know, I just enjoyed having fun with the friends. But I, man, yes, praise the Lord. 
<laughs> I think we're in the hanging in the same circles, yes. <laughs> but uh, I, I find that as I get older, I have a greater desire to learn. I find that I, I'm more interested in learning things. I mean, uh, my wife isn't quite there yet. She's five years younger than me. Um, but, but, you know, I'm watching, you know, the, the PBS channels and watching the history. And I'm liking the history, man. I'm watching the war and watching World War II. And, just, and my wife's like, is there anything else on? Can we watch something else, please? Is, but I'm finding that, you know, she watched the Home Cooking Network or something. I don't know. <laughs> or see, what is the, what's the shopping network? I don't know. Well, she, you, I know, we got Amazon. We don't need it. Yeah, so praise the Lord. So, but I'm, find, <laughs> I'm finding that I'm enjoying learning as I get older. And for that matter, how many, now, this is, I'm a, uh, this will probably apply to everybody. Has anybody ever YouTubed anything to learn how to do something? Yeah, many of us have. Man, I, I don't know how to do it. I'm going to YouTube it, and I'm going to figure out how to do it. And, and I'll be the first to tell you, I am not mechanical at all. I hate mechanics. I mean, it just gives me anxiety thinking that I would have to do anything mechanical. I mean, putting gas in the car is about as bad. <laughs> Yeah, but the other day, uh, my tractor, it wasn't, it, it, it was working the night before and the next day it was just dead. I put the charger on it, it just dead, it would not work. And I'm thinking, well, man, something must be wrong with it. I thought, well, let's eliminate the first things first, let's eliminate the battery and make sure that the battery's okay. Well, I went to get the battery out of there and you can't just take the battery out of there. I mean, you got to take the front end of the tractor off. And I'm like, oh, dear God. And then there's all these special kind of screws and things. I'm like, oh, are you kidding me? And so, I mean, I'm sitting there getting out my ratchet set and I'm starting to take it apart. And I'm, I'm sweating because, I mean, I just hate this kind of work. And it's always that kind of thing. Take something out of the wrong place. You try to put it back and you end up having three extra bolts at the end of the job, you know. And I'm just like, oh. And so I got the battery out. Got it put back together, fired back up. And I'm telling you what, I was one proud puppy, man. I'm like, yeah, I did it. But I did it because I YouTubed it and I learned and I watched how to get it done, right? And so as we are growing in this life, there's always these things that we're endeavoring to learn. And once again, if you think, <clears throat> think about it, we typically study those things that we are passionate about. Right. I mentioned the guys that go fishing. Uh, they, they're passionate about fishing. I mean, I looked at their pictures on Facebook and they all had the same sunglasses. So there must be something about, you know, you got to have these sunglasses, baby, you know, in order to catch fish. But my point is, is that they, they some of those guys never fished before. So they got around guys that fished and they learned how to. And I'm sure that they looked up some kind of teaching to help them grow in their ability to learn right and so we as parents don't we do that as well we help our children learn in the areas that they have a passion or have an interest in and so maybe your child has an interest in sports maybe it's in music and so oftentimes what we do is we help steer them or help train them in the areas of their passion so for instance for those of uh, you that have children that are into sports we send them to, to sport camp right and what are they doing? They're learning from the experts. In fact, I've heard it said before, you know, it's like, oh, listen, so-and-so is having a sports camp. And, and, you know, they played for X, Y, and Z. And, and so, man, I can't wait to get my son into that camp because, man, they're going to learn from so-and-so. 
And so the so-and-so is some known name, and therefore it brings credibility to their ability to learn. But how many of you know that that learning didn't come free? That professional athlete didn't say, hey, you know what, I just, I love your kids. I'm going to do it for free. Just come on, bring them on down. No, man, I'm telling you what, parents pay a pretty penny, don't they? They'll pay the money to have their kids trained. Or maybe it's a, 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 a music camp or things of that nature. Well, when it comes to us as believers, this walk of faith, there is a learning process. And it's what we would simply call discipleship. So the churchy word that we're going to talk about this morning is discipleship or being a disciple. And so, again, you might think, well, that's very simplistic, but it's important for us to understand what it means to be a disciple or what discipleship looks like. A simple definition is this. To be a disciple is to be a follower of Christ or to be a student. Or you could say it this way. To be a Christian is to be a follower of Jesus and his teachings. Now, as I said before, when it comes to parents, now again, please don't hear this in any derogatory way. But you know, it's interesting that parents will see that there is a celebrity coach, a professional, and say, I want to get my child into that clinic. And they'll spend hundreds of dollars. But yet, there is a celebrity, there is a person, a man, that has been talked about, studied on, ridiculed, persecuted, worshipped for over 2,000 years. There has been nobody like this man. There has been no man that has ever done what he has done. This man came from heaven and died on a cross to pay the penalty and the price for your sin and my sin. So that we can not only have heaven on earth, but that we could escape hell, eternal separation from God, and be able to spend eternity with Him. And as I said, He is the greatest celebrity coach of life that you could ever uh, submit yourself to. But we'll look at a celebrity uh, uh, athlete and say, Woo! And when we talk about Jesus, well, whatever. You hear what I'm saying? Now, I'm going to say some things this morning that might be very strong. But I want you to know that this is the hour that God is wanting us to wake up. He's, this is the hour that God wants to love us in such a way, because the hour is short and Jesus is coming soon and he wants you to be ready. And so I want you to hear that what I'm sharing with you this morning, man, I, I, as I was uh, praying this morning, I'm like, Lord, help me speak in love this morning. Because the last thing that I want you to hear is for me as a man standing up here and bow breeding, beating anybody. But I want you to hear the heart of God that wants you to know how much he loves you. And as I said, there is this man by the name of Jesus that sacrificed his life, died on a cross so that you could have a relationship with God. So that you could have 
heaven on earth, that you could live this life, as he says in John chapter 10, a life that is more abundant in quality and quantity, not just in that which is to come, but this life right now. He wants us to experience that. But oh, we can be so passive. I can remember uh, just a few years ago, uh, well, it's probably been closer to 15 years ago now, I guess it was. I, I went to a minister's conference uh, in California and uh, a minister friend that I was traveling with, he had done a lot of overseas travel, so he had some upgrades. And so I got to sit in first class. And as I'm sitting there, man, if you've never sat in first class, it, it's nice. And so I'm sitting there in first class. We're flying back to Detroit. And you know who was sitting right next to me? Tony Danza. You know who Tony Danza is? Yeah. Who's the boss? You remember back? The taxi, if you go way back in the... Yeah. And so I'm sitting next to Tony Danza. And I'm looking at Tony Danza. And I'm like, that dude is a shrimp. I mean, it, I mean he did a little guy. And then I'm watching his behavior. And seeing how he's acting and how he's walking through the airport after we got off the plane. And I'm like, you're a different kind of fella. You're just different. What's my point? Is that actually getting to observe him and just being a natural man is just like, you're just, you're not nobody special. In fact, you kind of seem a little weird. You know what I mean? But yet we put these people on pedestals and they've done absolutely nothing for you. But when it comes to having a relationship with Jesus, it's like, well, I can take it or leave it. But he's wanting us to become a student, to learn, to truly be what a Christian is called to be and to truly be his disciples. If you recall, the Bible says this. And once again, this is one that you're familiar with. But it is taken so lightly, but it's John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He didn't just give his second best. He gave his absolute best. He says he gave Jesus that whoever would believe on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Verse 17 says that he came into the world not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And so he didn't come to condemn us of our sin and saying, you know what? buddy you better get it right you better get your act together or you're going to hell no he says i love you and i don't condemn you but the reason i came is so that you could have a relationship with me amen and his desire is for us to know him he paid a price he didn't come to condemn and once again let me just encourage you because that is one of the things that holds us back from having a relationship with God or pursuing a relationship with God. is because we look in the mirror and we start to count all the things that we've done wrong or the things that we're struggling with right in the current time. But do you remember the story of the woman that was caught in the act of adultery? And Jesus sits down and they're saying, okay, what, what should we do to this girl? Come on, she should be stoned by law. She should be killed. What do you say, Jesus? And he says, well, let me ask you, who of you don't have any sin? If you don't have sin, go ahead and cast the first stone. And the Bible says one by one they left to where there was nobody standing. And then he turns to her and he says, where are your accusers? And she says, there is none. And he says, neither do I. Go your way and sin no more. 
So you might be saying, oh, what I'm going through, what I'm dealing with, what I'm struggling with is the thing that is keeping me from having a close relationship with God. And the answer is, it is not. It is the stuff that's going on between your ears that you have allowed yourself to be condemned and saying that it won't allow you to have a close relationship with God because Jesus says, I'm not condemning you. I paid a price for that so that we could be close. Don't worry about dealing with the junk. Come on, just have a relationship with me. And the junk will have a way of taking care of itself. He wants to have a relationship with us. But Jesus said this in regards to the life of those that are followers of him. He says that you'll know them by their fruit. You'll know them followers of me. You'll know them by their fruit. So now, I'm talking to those of you that have been in church here for a length of time. If you're just new to GVC, listen, I want you to hear that we love you and this isn't by any means trying to beat anybody up. If you're watching online, this isn't meant to be hard. But if Jesus said, you'll know them by your fruit, then those that know you, based on the fruit of your life, those that know you, would they say that the fruit of your life would qualify you to be a disciple or a follower of Jesus? If you were to stand before a natural judge that says, we are going to look at the evidence, we're going to plead a case, and the evidence will bear itself out and if you were to stand before a judge would the judge rule in the favor of saying this person is a disciple of Christ based on the evidence of the fruit or would we say we are still questioning the verdict is still out because we just don't really know and listen if they were to say we don't have the ability to make a, a ruling on this case for a reasonable doubt we'll just have to send it up to the higher courts then therefore if you were to stand before god this morning and he was to examine the fruit of your life would he say that people would know that you are a disciple a follower of christ based on the fruit in your life I had several apple trees in my yard that finally died and are no longer there. But I've got one that's left. Or one tree, rather. And it's a pear tree. And you know, there comes a point in time where there is no denying it is a pear tree. Why? Because it's not apples that are growing on that tree. It's pears. So what's the fruit that is showing up in our lives? What is it that people are seeing? And so then, therefore, we got to ask the question, is there some things that I need to give attention to? If you recall concerning being a disciple, we begin to see the, in the scripture or the gospels, rather. And upon meeting individuals, Jesus made this statement. He said to them, he said, come follow me. Come follow me. So to be a Christian, to be a disciple, is to be a student or one that follows after Jesus. And just as I said, all of us will give money to our passions to learn about some things. In fact, just uh, uh, last week I met with a, a guy I went to high school with. 
I took him to breakfast because he's a walleye fisherman and I've been doing some walleye fishing and, and, and I'm just kind of learning. And so what I did is I took him to breakfast and I said, hey, listen, I'm, 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 this is my agenda. I want to pick your brain. I had a notebook and I was taking notes. I said, I just I want to know how to do this. And so he was gracious and kind. And I said, well, now, listen, concerning the conditions and the weather, I said, uh, how do you know? And this is what his statement was. He says, well, he says, I follow after Captain so-and-so. Did you catch the words? Now, with social media, it's easy to follow somebody. But he says, I follow Captain so-and-so. And so I watch his tips, tricks, and trades. And, and when I see him going out, then that's when I'm going out. But naturally speaking, we follow people that we want to be like or that we want to learn from, right? And Jesus said, in order to be a disciple, you must follow me. Now, in Matthew chapter 11, y'all doing okay? Matthew chapter 11, starting in verse 28. Once again, Jesus is speaking. He says, come unto me. So did you notice that Jesus isn't chasing them down? He says, listen, I got something for you. He says, but come unto me. And he says, and you who labor and are heavy laden, he says, I will give you rest. Did you hear that? Those that come to him, he says, I will give you rest. Verse 29, it says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your soul. So the true follower of Jesus is one that comes to learn from him. So if you're a disciple, if you're a Christian, there ought to be some things that you're learning and growing concerning Jesus. And did you see that when he says, come learn of me, you will find rest? How many people do you know that are Christians or they go to church at least periodically and you look at their life and their life is tormented, their mind is tormented, there, there's no peace in their marriage, there's no rest. And that's not to be condemning or to say, boy, you've got issues. But you can start to bear out the fruit and say, is there fruit of being a follower of Christ? And maybe that is the reason why there is no rest in your soul. But oh, when you start to grow and once you start to come unto him, once you follow him, once you begin to learn. And how many of you know it? Let me let me just make this uh, make this statement, too. People say this all the time. Well, I just got to get to the place of where I make, I, I, I just make a choice or make a decision to go a different direction. How many of you know it don't take three years to change the course of your life? It just takes a choice. Well, you know, I've been struggling. You know, it's difficult. You know, that's hard. No, it's not. Just take a, take a moment in time and say, right now, I choose to go this way. And the moment you choose, you're going a different direction. And it didn't take three years for you to turn that way. It just was a conscious quality decision to say, man, I am choosing to walk with Jesus. Now, again, does that mean that you're not going to have challenges? Oh, no. Bumps and obstacles come. We understand that. But God says, make a choice. Just start learning. 
You're here learning this morning. You realize not everybody came to church this morning, but you made the choice. So because you chose, God's molding and shaping and doing some things in your heart. Can somebody say amen? Amen. amen. So, if we're not learning, now again, this is rubber meeting the road. If we're not learning of Him, if we're not growing... Can it be said that you're really a Christian? If Christians are living with unrest, is it possibly because they aren't learning? Or could we say it this way? And again, this is one of those churchy words. Maybe we might find that we are lukewarm or in a backslidden stage and once again you don't hear that word backslidden much in church anymore but backslidden means that you took a step back you stepped away from god but once again that backslidden state or that life that has turned away from god the the moment you get arrested in your heart to say god i am lukewarm god i have slipped god i'm not where i was in that moment, God, I choose right now to repent. God, forgive me. And all of a sudden, you turn direction and you're headed on the right course. Why? Because you made a choice, a conscious quality decision to say, God, I want to be right with you. Amen. So quickly, let me give you three fruits of a disciple. Three fruits of a disciple. I'm going to go through these quick, so listen fast, okay? All right, praise the Lord. Number one, the fruit of a disciple. Number one is that you have a desire to grow. You have a desire to grow. The number one way that you will grow as a believer is to read your Bible. Now, if you're like me, I was never one that liked to read. I still have to force myself to read. It doesn't necessarily change. You know, if you never like Brussels sprouts, you have to force yourself to still eat them, right? Okay, well, I'm not necessarily one that says I just love to read. But I love to hear the Word of God. I do have an appetite for the Word of God. And so, once again, as you grow or the desire to grow, the number one way that you'll begin to grow is by reading the Word of God. Look at what it says here in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, it says this. Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman, that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So he says, study. Be a student. Learn. Grow. And then the Bible says over in John chapter 10, when you read the word of God, when you're giving time to the Bible, it's not a religious thing. But now listen. In John chapter 1, verse 1, you, don't, you can write it down, look it up in a, uh, later if you want to. But John chapter 1, starting in verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Well, that's weird. What does that mean? Well, then in verse 14, it clarifies what that means. It says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Speaking of Jesus. So Jesus is the word so let me help you every time you read the word of god 
You are fellowshipping with Jesus. You might say, well, I think I'm just reading. No, you're fellowshipping with Jesus. And upon reading this book, you will begin to discern and hear the voice of God because you gave place to his voice. Now, once again, I, I can't overemphasize that. And you might say, I don't understand it. But I'm telling you, if you'll come acquainted with his word, you will begin to become acquainted with his voice. That still small voice is like, huh, I'm sensing Jesus talking to me. Let me ask you this. Have you ever read a book or read a letter that somebody sent you or an email? I do this all the time. Please don't let me be the only one. But do you ever read an email that somebody sent you? And because you know the person when you're reading it, you hear the person's voice? Yeah, you don't read it in your voice. You're hearing the person that's sending it to you, right? The same thing is true with the word of God. You become acquainted with his voice. You begin to grow in your knowledge of him. John chapter 14, verse 15. Said, I'm going to read quick or, or, or give you these quick. So listen, verse 15, it says, if you love me, Jesus is asking, if you love me, if you're a disciple, if you're a Christian, you've said, I love Jesus. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. He's not saying the Ten Commandments. He says, keeping my word. He says, keep my commandments and I will pray the father and he'll give you another, a helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you and i will not leave you orphans i'll come to you and a little while longer as the world and the world the world will see me no more but you will see me because i live you will live also at that day you will know that i am in my father and you in me and and i in you Verse 21 says, and he who has my commandments or my word and keeps them, it is he who loves me and he who loves me will be loved by my father. And notice these last words. And I, Jesus, will love him and manifest myself to him. That word manifest means I will reveal, I'll show up, I'll demonstrate, I'll make an appearance. So in other words, that means that Jesus becomes tangibly real to you when you become acquainted with of knowing his voice. The word of God becomes alive because you're a student of him and you begin to identify and know him. And if that's the case, if God be for us, who can be against us? In the face of circumstances, because I know he loves me, I do not have to fear. Now, this is not a soapbox, but let me just present a thought to you. If, well, let me ask this question. I need some participation. When you think of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those are the stories or the books that tell us the story of Jesus, right? Apart from Jesus going to the cross, what other things can you say that, man, this stands out? From the Gospels. Help me out. Shout something out. Water to wine. So a miracle. The seed falling on the soil. Okay, that was a parable that he, that, he, that he shared. Okay, what did he do? Show me some things or tell me some things that he did that you're reflecting on the story of Jesus. Raise Lazarus from the dead. 
healed the sick, right? In fact, for that matter, isn't that what the Gospels are full of? Of Jesus ministering to the sick, casting out devils, amen, raising the dead? And therefore, if I was to read the Gospels about who Jesus or what Jesus did, would it not begin to introduce me as to who Jesus is? And if I'm acquainted with who Jesus is in this hour, then why in the world would I be afraid to leave my house in fear of getting sick? Now, once again, I'm not wanting to get on a soapbox, but I just got word the other day. Somebody said to me, I was talking to so-and-so, and they said, you know, uh, they're not coming back to GVC. And I go, why is that? Because we found out that pastor didn't get vaccinated. And we also found out that pastor don't make people wear masks. Listen, I will not cower down to fear of sickness because I know the man in this book. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if you know him... And you are able to know Him through the Scripture. If you know Him, you do not have to fear. Now, I'm not telling you to be stupid. Please don't mix that with not using wisdom. I get it. But I'm saying, if we are the people of God... Listen, if you can't believe God to help you in this earth when hell comes knocking on your door, then how in the world do you think He's going to save you from hell? It's a no-brainer if you don't have faith in a God to protect you from hell on this earth. Don't tell me you believe that you're a child of God going to heaven. It got quiet in the Presbyterian church this morning, didn't it? Well, praise the Lord. <laughs> now, once again, I don't mean to get on a soapbox. And if you're here for the first time, don't mean to run you out of church. <laughs> I'm simply saying that if we know him. If we're a follower of Him, if we're a student of Him, I don't have to be fearful. Because I know who I am and I know who He is. Amen. Why? Because I got fruit in my life. Amen. All right, second one. We got to move on. Woo! Praise the Lord. Chubby man losing his breath. Praise the Lord. All right. Number two. <laughs> All right. <laughs> the fruit... The fruit of a disciple or a believer is an individual that will be in the house of God. Oh, we're going there. Oh, yes, we're going there. Because it's the fruit. Psalms 122 verse 1. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Come on, we've got cameras in some of your houses. And you're not glad when it comes Sunday morning. You're oh, God, it's Sunday morning, got to go to church. No, he didn't say we're sad when they said let us go into the house. He said we're glad. Come on, a child of God is excited to go into the house of the Lord. Why? Because it's not a country club. Jesus shows up in his church. Amen. Amen. And his people show up. Hebrews chapter 10 says this, that we don't forsake the assembling of ourselves, even as some have gotten in the habit of doing, especially in the late hour before I come. Don't forsake your, the assembling. And then it goes on to say in Ephesians chapter 4, starting in verse 12. Are you there? <laughs> Ephesians chapter 4 verse 12 it says for the perfect perfecting or the maturing of the saints for the work of the ministry this again is because God says I'm going to put ministers in the church 
He says, because of the ministers, you will mature or be the, the perfected saints. Then you'll begin to do the work of the ministry that will edify or build the body of Christ. He says, till we all come into the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto the perfect man, unto the measure and the stature of the fullness of Christ. Verse 14 says, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine. By the uh, uh, slight of man and the cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love. Come on, how many of you know that's what I'm doing this morning? I'm speaking the truth in love. And if you're saying, uh, Mo, you're getting close to home, I am not trying to get you. Get you uh, <laughs> I'm loving on you, all right? <laughs> all right? Uh, verse 15, it says, But speaking the truth in love may grow up into all things, which is the head of uh, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplies, meaning you have a part to play according to the effective working of the measure of every part that makes increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. So if you're a child of God, if you're a disciple, if you're a follower of Jesus, one of the fruits or the second fruit that you'll see in your life is that you'll be in the body of Christ or you'll be in the church because that's where growing and developing and learning comes. Not the only place, but it is one of the primary. And then lastly, number three, if you're a disciple, you will make disciples. So Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. It says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. He says, and teaching them to obey everything that I have taught you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. The Apostle Paul said this. He says, follow me as I follow Jesus. Well, you've got to get close to somebody in order to follow somebody. And Paul was saying, listen, I've learned how to follow Jesus. If you hang around me, he says, you'll learn how to be successful in your life. But how many of you know you've got to be around somebody to get discipled? And if you'll get discipled, people will want to get around you to get discipled. People will want to get around you to see what's going on in your life. So here's the point. You'll either draw people to Jesus or you won't. The people that know you the best. Does your life draw them to Jesus? Is your Christian discipled life compartmentalized to a Sunday morning? Do you put Jesus on and put the Put the garb on, going to church today, and then when you get home, you take it off and you live like everybody else. What does your fruit say? The Apostle Paul also says this. He says, listen. He says, your life can be a stumbling block to somebody else. If your fruit is hypocritical, he says, your fruit can cause somebody else to stumble. And God's saying, listen, I need you. Number one, he says, I want to have a greater relationship with you. I want to know you. But through you, I want to know other people. And man, I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm almost concerned that there's going to be a time when we stand before God. And do you realize that the Bible says that when we stand before God, he's going to wipe away all the tears. But did you notice that there was tears in heaven? 
before he wiped them away? I believe that the tears are there because he's going to give an account or hold us accountable for our life. And there are going to be tears that are shed. And he just might say, there was a person that watched your life. And because of your life, because of your fruit, they went to hell. They watched your life and said, well, if that's what it means, then I don't want it. Or maybe there are those people that because they saw you had a hunger and a desire at one point in time, but then just slipped back yourself. And because of your slipping back, they slipped back because your relationship was close. And we're going to stand before God and say, God, sorry. I know it's sobering, but this is the hour that we're living in. That God loves you and he doesn't want you to miss a moment. He doesn't want you to miss out. And he wants to use you to help build the family of God. To make disciples. Can we all stand please? With every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're in this place, if you're watching or listening online, I want you to begin to examine your heart and answer these questions for yourself. I want you to truly answer the question, do you love Jesus? If you don't know him, if you've never really been introduced to him, it's hard to love somebody you don't know. But if you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good and you've seen how merciful He is, oh, you'll fall in love with Him. I want you to ask or answer the question is, are you hungry to know Him more? Do you desire to know Him more than what you know Him already? Or would you say that your faith is lukewarm? Or would you even say that, if I'm honest, I would have to say that right now in this place, I'm backslidden. I've just kind of turned and went my own way. Or maybe you're here this morning, and maybe you've been in church. But my question is, have you ever received Jesus? From this moment on, this moment forward, it doesn't have to take a long time to make a shift. It's just a conscious decision of our walk with Jesus. And he said that the Holy Spirit, the helper, the comforter, will come and dwell and live on the inside and help you in this walk and on this journey to know him. And so if you're here this morning and you say, I am lukewarm or Man, I've been backslidden. Or man, I just need Jesus. Then all you have to do is say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. I need you. Now look at me if you will.
We oftentimes do these ends of services differently, giving a public opportunity. And in the heat of the moment, you can make a decision based on emotions. But I'm not going to lead you in a prayer this morning. I don't want you to respond just because you're concerned about eternity. I want you to leave this place once the service is over. Once the emotions are settled. And make a choice. Of are you walking forward with Jesus? And if you made that choice. If you say you know what? I rededicated my life. I came back to Jesus. Or I asked Jesus for the first time. Let us know. Send me a message. Get a hold of us somehow. But I want you to make that decision on your own this week. Amen? And the best is yet to come. Good things are on the horizon. Because we're not walking any longer. We're running. We're picking up the pace. Amen? We have I believe packets. That's right. So if you ask Jesus into your heart or say, you know what? I made that decision. We've got some tools and information that we'll put in your hands to help you on this journey. Free of change. Well, that's it. Do you feel the glory? Do you feel the filling? I know you do. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast and come back next week for God to move on your behalf again. Want to know more? Check us out online and our social media, all from our website, gvchurch.tv. We are Genesee Valley Church, loving God, loving people, and loving life.